Pericles, Prince of Tyre, Chapter 1 This is Antioch. Antiochus the Great, who was the first founder of Antioch, the most famous city in all Syria, having one only daughter in the prime and glory of her youth, fell in most unnatural love with her. And what by the power of his persuasions and fear of his tyranny, he so prevailed with her yielding heart that he became master of his desires, and to her incest did provoke. Which to continue to himself, his daughter being for her beauty desired in marriage of many great princes, he made this law, that whoso presumed to desire her in marriage, and could not unfold the meaning of his questions, for that attempt should lose his life. In the throne room of Antioch, Prince Pericles enters. Young Prince of Tyre, you have at large received the danger of the task you undertake. I have, Antiochus, and with a soul emboldened with the glory of her praise, think death no hazard in this enterprise. Bring in our daughter, clothed like a bride, for the embracements even of Jove himself, at whose conception, till Lucina reigned, nature this dowry gave to glad her presence. The Senate House of Planets all did sit to knit in her their best perfections. See where she comes, apparelled like the spring, graces her subjects and her thoughts the king, of every virtue keeps renown to men. Her face the book of praises where is read nothing but curious pleasures as from thence sorrow were ever raised, and testy wrath could never be her mild companion. Father? Prince Pericles. Prince Pericles. That would-be son to great Antiochus. Before thee stands this fair Hesperides, with golden fruit, but dangerous to be touched, for death-like dragons here affright thee hard. Her face, like heaven, enticeth thee to view her countless glory, which desert must gain, and which, without desert, because thine eye presumes to reach, all thy whole heap must die. Yon sometimes famous princes, like thyself, drawn by report, adventurous by desire, tell thee, with speechless tongues and semblance pale, that without covering, save yon field of stars, here they stand martyrs, slain in Cupid's wars, and with dead cheeks advise thee to desist, for going on death's net, whom none resist. Antiochus. I thank thee who hath taught my frail mortality to know itself, and by those fearful objects to prepare this body like to them to what I must. For death remembered should be like a mirror, who tells us life's but breath to trust its error. I'll make my will then, and as sick men do who know the world, see heaven, but feeling woe, gripe not at earthly joys as erst they did. So I bequeath a happy peace to you, and all good men, as every prince should do, my riches to the earth from whence they came, but my unspotted fire of love to you. Thus ready for the way of life or death, I wait the sharpest blow, Antiochus. Scorning advice? Read the conclusion, then. Which read and not expounded, tis decreed, as these before thee, thou thyself shalt bleed. Of all said yet, mayst thou prove prosperous. Of all said yet, 
I wish thee happiness. Like a bold champion, I assume the lists, nor ask advice of any other thought but faithfulness and courage. <clears throat> I am no viper, yet I feed on mother's flesh, which did me breed. I sought a husband in which labor I found that kindness in a father. He's father, son, and husband mild. I, mother, wife, and yet his child. How they may be, and yet in two. As you will live, resolve it you. Sharp physic is the last, but you, O oh powers that give heaven countless eyes to view men's acts, why cloud they not their sights perpetually if this be true, which makes me pale to read it? Fair glass of light, I loved you and could still, were not this glorious casket stored with ill. But I must tell you now my thoughts revolt, for he's no man on whom perfections wait that knowing sin within will touch the gate. You are a fair vial, and your sense the strings, who, fingered to make man his lawful music, would draw heaven down and all the gods to hearken. But being played upon before your time, hell only danceth at so harsh a chime. Good sooth, I care not for you. Prince Pericles, touch not upon thy life, for that's an article within our law as dangerous as the rest. Your time's expired. Either expound now or receive your sentence. Great king, few love to hear the sins they love to act. T'would break yourself too near for me to tell it. Who has a book of all that monarchs do, he's more secure to keep it shut than shown. For vice repeated is like the wandering wind, blows dust in others' eyes to spread itself. And yet the end of all is bought thus dear. The breath is gone and the sore eyes see clear. To stop the air would hurt them. The blind mole casts copped hills towards heaven to tell the earth is thronged by man's oppression, and the poor worm doth die for it. Kings are earth's gods, in vice their laws their will. And if Jove stray, who dares say Jove doth ill? It is enough you know, and it is fit, what being more known grows worse to smother it. All love the womb that their first being bred, then give my tongue like leave to love my head. Heaven that I had thy head. He has found the meaning, but I will glows with him. Young Prince of Tyre, though by the tenor of our strict edict your exposition misinterpreting, we might proceed to cancel of your days. Yet hope, succeeding from so fair a tree as your fair self, doth tune us otherwise. Forty days longer we do respite you, if by which time our secret be undone, this mercy shows will joy in such a son. And until then, your entertain shall be as doth befit our honor and your worth. How courtesy would seem to cover sin, when what is done is like an hypocrite, the which is good in nothing but in sight. If it be true that I interpret false, then were it certain you were not so bad as with foul incest to abuse your soul. Were now you're both a father and a son by your untimely claspings with your child, which pleasure fits an husband, not a father, and she an eater of her mother's flesh by the defiling of her parents' bed. And both like serpents are, who though they feed on sweetest flowers, yet they poison breed. Antioch, farewell. 
For wisdom sees those men blush not in actions blacker than the night, will shun no course to keep them from the light. One sin, I know, another doth provoke. Murders as near to loss as flame to smoke. Poison and treason are the hands of sin, I and the targets to put off the shame. Then lest my life be cropped to keep you clear, by flight I'll shun the danger which I fear. He hath found the meaning for which we mean to have his head. He must not live to trumpet forth my infamy, nor tell the world Antiochus doth sin in such a loathed manner. And therefore, instantly, this prince must die, for by his fall my honor must keep high. <clears throat> Who attends us there? Doth your highness call? Thaliard, you are of our chamber, and our mind partakes her private actions to your secrecy, and for your faithfulness we will advance you. Thaliard, behold, here's poison, and here's gold. We hate the Prince of Tyre, and thou must kill him. It fits thee not to ask the reason why, because we bid it. Say, is it done? My lord, tis done. My lord, Prince Pericles is fled. Fly after, and like an arrow shot from a well-experienced archer hits the mark his eye doth level at, so thou ne'er return unless thou say Prince Pericles is dead. My lord, if I can get him within my pistol's length, I'll make him sure enough. So farewell to your highness. Till Pericles be dead, my heart can lend no succor to my head. Meanwhile, Pericles returns to his homeland of Tyre. Why should this change of thoughts, the sad companion, dull-eyed melancholy, be my so used to guest as not an hour in the day's glorious walk or peaceful night? The tomb where grief should sleep can breathe be quiet. Here pleasures caught mine eyes, and mine eyes shunned them. And danger which I feared is at Antioch, whose aim seems far too short to hit me here. Yet neither pleasure's art can join my spirits, nor yet the other's distance comfort me. And so with me, the great Antiochus, against whom I am too little to contend, since he's so great can make his will as act, will think me speaking, though I swear to silence. Nor boots it me to say I honor him, if he suspect I may dishonor him. And what may make him blush in being known, he'll stop the course by which it might be known. With hostile forces he'll o'erspread the land, and with the extent of war will look so huge, amazement shall drive courage from the state. Our men be vanquished ere they do resist, and subjects punish that ne'er thought offense. Which care of them, not pity of myself, who am no more but as the tops of trees, which fence the roots they grow by and defend them, makes both my body pine and soul to languish, and punish that before that he would punish. Joy in all comfort in your sacred breast, and keep your mind till you return to us, peaceful and comfortable. Peace, peace, and give experience tongue. They do abuse the king that flatter him, for flattery is the bellows blows up sin, the thing which is flattered but a spark, to which that blast gives heat and stronger glowing, whereas reproof, obedient and in order, fits kings as they are men, for they may err. When Signia Sooth here does proclaim a peace, he flatters you, makes war upon your life. Prince, pardon me, or strike me if you please. 
I cannot be much lower than my knees. Or leave us else. But let your cares o'erlook what shipping and what ladings in our haven. And then return to us. Helicanus, thou hast moved us. What seest thou in our looks? An angry brow, dread lord. If there be such a dart in prince's frowns, how durst thy tongue move anger to our face? How dare the plants look up to heaven, from whence they have their nourishment? Thou knowest I have power to take thy life from thee. I have ground the axe myself. Do you but strike the blow? Sit down. <laughs> thou art no flatterer. I thank thee for it. And heaven forbid the kings should let their ears hear their faults hid. Fit counsellor and servant for a prince, who by thy wisdom makest a prince thy servant. What wouldst thou have me do? To bear with patience such griefs as you yourself do lay upon yourself. Thou speak'st like a physician, Helicanus, that ministers a potion unto me that thou wouldst tremble to receive thyself. Attend me then. I went to Antioch, where, as thou knowest, against the face of death I sought the purchase of a glorious beauty, from whence an issue I might propagate our arms to princes and bring joys to subjects. Her face was to mine eye beyond all wonder. The rest, hark in thine ear, as black as incest, which by my knowledge found the sinful father seemed not to strike but smooth. But thou knowest this. Tis time to fear when tyrants seem to kiss. Such fear so grew in me I hither fled under the covering of a careful knight who seemed my good protector, and being here bethought me what was past what might succeed. I knew him tyrannous, and tyrant's fears decrease not but grow faster than the years, and should he doubt it as no doubt he doth that I should open to the listening air how many worthy princes' bloods were shed to keep his bed of blackness unlaid ope, to lop that doubt, he'll fill this land with arms and make pretense of wrong that I have done him. When all for mine, if I may call offense, must feel war's blow who spares not innocence, which love to all of which thyself art one who now reprovest me for it. Alas, sir. Drew sleep out of mine eyes, blood from my cheeks, musings into my mind with thousand doubts that how I might stop this tempest ere it came. And finding little comfort to relieve them, I thought it princely charity to grieve them. Well, my lord, since you have given me leave to speak, freely will I speak. Antiochus you fear, and justly too. I think you fear the tyrant, who, either by public war or private treason, will take away your life. Therefore, my lord, go travel for a while, till that his rage and anger be forgot, or till the destinies do cut his thread of life. Your rule direct to any, if to me. Day not serves light more faithful than I'll be. I do not doubt thy faith. But should he wrong my liberties in my absence? We'll mingle our bloods together in the earth, from whence we had our being and our birth. I now look from thee, then, and to Tarsus intend my travel, where I'll hear from thee, and by whose letters I'll dispose myself. The care I had and have of subjects good on thee I lay, whose wisdom strength can bear it. I'll take thy word for faith, nor ask thine oath, who shuns not to break one, will sure crack both. But in our orbs we'll live so round and safe, that time of both this truth shall ne'er convince, thou showedst a subject's shine, I a true prince.
So, this is Tyre, and this the court. Here must I kill King Pericles, and if I do it not, I am sure to be hanged at home. Tis dangerous. Well, I perceive he was a wise fellow and had good discretion, that being bid to ask what he would of the king, desire he might know none of his secrets. Now do I see he had some reason for it. For if a king bid a man be a villain, he's bound by the indenture of his oath to be one. Shh! Here come the lords of Tyre. You shall not need, my fellow peers of Tyre, further to question me of your king's departure. His sealed commission left in trust with me doth speak sufficiently. He's gone to travel. How? The king gone? If further yet you will be satisfied why, as it were unlicensed of your loves, he would depart. I'll give some light unto you, being at Antioch. What from Antioch? Royal Antiochus, and what cause I know not, took some displeasure at him. At least he judged so. And doubting lest that he had erred or sinned, to show his sorrow he would correct himself. So puts himself unto the shipman's toil, with whom each minute threatens life or death. Well, I perceive I shall not be hanged now, although I would. But since he's gone, the king's seas must please. He scaped the land to perish at the sea. I'll present myself. Peace to the lords of Tyre. Lord Thaliard from Antiochus is welcome. From him I come, with message unto princely Pericles. But since my landing, I have understood your lord has betook himself to unknown travels. My message must return from whence it came. We have no reason to desire it, commended to our master, not to us. Yet ere you shall depart, this we desire. As friends to Antioch, we may feast entire. Meanwhile, in far famine-stricken Tarsus, in the house of Cleon, the Lord Governor. My Dionysa, shall we rest us here? and by relating tales of others' griefs, see if twill teach us to forget our own. That were to blow at fire and hope to quench it, for who digs hills because they do aspire, throws down one mountain to cast up a higher. Oh, my distressed lord, even such our griefs are. Here they're but felt and seen with mischief's eyes, but like to groves being topped, they higher rise. O oh, Dionysa, who wanteth food and will not say he wants it, or can conceal his hunger till he famish. Our tongues and sorrows do sound deep our woes into the air. Our eyes do weep till tongues fetch breath that may proclaim them louder. That if heaven slumber while their creatures want, they may awake their helps to comfort them. I'll then discourse our woes felt several years, and wanting breath to speak, help me with tears. I'll do my best, sir. This Tarsus, o'er which I have the government, a city on whom plenty held full hand, for riches strewed herself even in the streets, whose towers bore heads so high they kissed the clouds, and strangers ne'er beheld but wondered at, whose men and dames so jetted and adorned like one another's glass to trim them by, their tables were stored full to glad the sight, and not so much to feed on as delight. All poverty was scorned, and pride so great, 
The name of help grew odious to repeat. Oh, tis too true. But see what heaven can do. By this, our change. These mouths, who but of late earth, sea, and air, were all too little to content and please, although they gave their creatures an abundance, as houses are defiled for want of use, they are now starved for want of exercise. Those pallets, who not yet two summers younger must have inventions to delight the taste, would now be glad of bread and beg for it. Those mothers, who to nestle up their babes thought not too curious, are ready now to eat those little darlings whom they loved. So sharp are hunger's teeth that man and wife draw lots who first shall die to lengthen life. Here stands a lord, and there a lady weeping. Here many sink, yet those which see them fall have scarce strength left to give them burial. Is not this true? Our cheeks and hollow eyes do witness it. Oh, let those cities that of plenty's cup and her prosperity so largely taste with their superfluous riots hear these tears. The misery of Tarsus may be theirs. Where's the Lord Governor? Here. Speak out thy sorrows which thou bringst in haste, for comfort is too far for us to expect. We have descried upon our neighbouring shore a portly sail of ships make hitherward. Huh. I thought as much. One sorrow never comes but brings an heir that may succeed as his inheritor. And so in ours, some neighbouring nation, taking advantage of our misery, hath stuffed these hollow vessels with their power to beat us down the which are down already, and make a conquest of unhappy me, whereas no glory's got to overcome. That's the least fear, for by the semblance of their white flags displayed, they bring us peace and come to us as favourers, not as foes. Thou speak'st like him's untutored to repeat. Who makes the fairest show means most deceit. But bring they what they will and what they can, what need we fear? <laughs> the ground's the lowest, and we are halfway there. Go tell their general we attend him here, to know for what he comes and whence he comes and what he craves. I go, my lord. Welcome is peace if he on peace consist. If wars... We are unable to resist. Lord Governor, let not our ships and number of our men be like a beacon fire to amaze your eyes. We have heard your miseries as far as Tyre, and seen the desolation of your streets. Nor come we to add sorrow to your tears, but to relieve them of their heavy load. And these are ships you happily may think are like the Trojan horse was stuffed within with bloody veins expecting overthrow are stored with corn to make your needy bread, and give them life whom hunger starved half dead. The gods of Greece protect you. We will pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Rise, I pray you, rise. We do not look for reverence, but to love, and harborage for ourselves our ships and men. The which, when any shall not gratify or pay you with unthankfulness and thought, be it our wives, our children, or ourselves, the curse of heaven and men succeed their evils. <laughs> Till when, the which I hope shall never be seen, your grace is welcome to our town and us. Which welcome will accept. <laughs> Feast here a while until our stars that frown lend us a smile. 
In our next chapter, you shall hear how Pericles puts forth to sea, suffers shipwreck, is relieved by certain poor fishermen, and at last arrives at the court of King Simonides. The Pendant Shakespeare, also known as the Wild Bill Variety Show, presents Pericles, Prince of Tyre, Episode 1. Featuring the voice talents of Russell Gold as Prince Pericles, Theo Holt-Bailey as Gower, the narrator, Mike Queller as King Antiochus, Rachel Crosby as the Princess, Gail Wamba as Thaliard, Kirsty Wolven as Helicanus, Garen Fitzgerald as Cleon, Julia Eve as Dionysa, Martha Putnam Seitz as the Messenger, Debonay Zicardo as the Lord of Tyre, and James Strickland as the Noble of Tarsus. Written by William Shakespeare, and maybe with George Wilkins. Dramaturgy and audio adaptation by Morgan Z. Soule. Music by Josh Mullen at thetunepeddler.com. Directed by Adam Blanford and Jeff Robinson. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2021, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.